good morning. Great to be together this morning in the house of the Lord. We have a different service for you this morning as in a little bit our choir will be coming and performing a cantata and then we'll have a, a brief message and word from Steve McKenzie. So uh, we trust that you'll just enjoy this last Sunday before Christmas and we'll enjoy our time together. But let's start with a song. Al, please lead us. Please open your hymnals to hymn number 116. 116, God rest ye merry gentlemen. And we'll do verses 1, 2, 5, and 6. Let's stand together, please. in prayer this morning and as he's making his way uh, one offer our condolences out to the McKenzie family Wayne's uh, grandmother passed away this week and also Steve Seidel's family as Steve's grandmother passed away this week so we remember you guys in prayer Rob please come lead us let's pray together Father we want to thank you how much good you are how great you are Father and we love you Father and Lord even this morning we just asked you to teach us how to worship you Father and Lord, we just want to thank you that we can 
as each morning we wake up, the first thing comes to our mouth that we worship you. And now, Father, we just think of Wayne and Steve as they lost their mother and grandmother's past week and how time is quick on earth. And we realize that, Father, we have a few days to do your work. And again, Father, we just thank for our missionaries that you'll bless them and we will bless their service, Father. And, and Father, everything we do, we bring you glory and honor through this time and season, Father. And be with Steve as he brings the message in such a way this morning that you're spirit will be able to lead him and we realize that your word will never turn you void and again father just pray for each one of us here today that we know you and we can bring good tidings to the whole world father we'll give you all the glory and all the honor we ask in jesus name amen you may be seated well if today is your first day with us we certainly want you to feel welcome today as our special guest, in the chair back in front of you, you'll find a yellow card. We would ask that you'd grab one of those, fill it out, and in a few moments when the offering baskets are passed, just drop that in the offering basket. And, of course, we'd ask everybody to fill one of these out as well. Remember that there is no Wednesday night service this week. And just a couple other quick announcements that I want to make sure that you're aware of. Uh, this Friday is the Christmas Eve service. So... I pray that you'll be planning to join us for that. It's a great time here, and uh, it starts at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary for our Christmas Eve service. And then, uh, teens, please be aware that coming up very soon, in the middle of January, is the teen retreat. So start planning now for that. The cost is $60 per teen, which includes your transportation up, two nights lodging, all the food that we'll have, and, uh, and of course, the use of the facility. Uh, and we do uh, put out there, uh, anybody that's struggling or can and has issues with that, please don't let money ever stop any of the teens from going, any of your teens from going, come see me. And if the Lord puts it on any of your heart to support a teen to be able to go, please come see me for that as well. Well, we got a full morning, so we want to keep things moving. So uh, we're going to... Uh, worship the Lord worth our giving at this time, and then immediately following the offering, the choir will be led in and we'll have our cantata. Please turn in your hymnals to hymn number 97, 97, the first Noel, as we offer our gifts this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand on the last verse as the choir comes in. So, 97. <laughs>
Though you are small, Bethlehem, out of you will come one who will be ruler over Israel. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. O Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in you tonight. the night before Christmas and all through the world everything looks like business as usual shepherds sat on a hillside
us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace.
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and the only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth.
Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. After they were told the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed.
Magi saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and myrrh. of your glory and grace.
That was a beautiful celebration, wasn't it? Do you guys remember the words, that very first song, when it said, I won't sing it for you, <laughs> trust me, <laughs> that would be cruel and unusual, but it said hope, uh, a hope long awaited, the hope of the ages, it would break with the dawn, and the song that all of creation was anticipating would begin with the baby's first cry. This was the foundation of, of every song that, that we heard this morning. That, that there was a hope from the beginning of time that was ultimately began as Jesus cried his first, first breath. God taking on human flesh. It was fulfilled in, in his life and ultimately in his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. What a great promise. What a great hope. But the reality is, there can't be the light from the breaking of a dawn of a new day before you pass through the darkness of night. Do you understand that, that to have hope, it, it almost infers, it, it assumes despair. But we don't like to talk about that because it's Christmas season. It's all about happy and joy and hope and peace, right? But if you got a new job... And your salary was just doubled. Everything is great in the home. Your marriage is wonderful. Your kids are listening the first time that you say something. <laughs> you don't have anybody coming up to you saying, take hope. It, it won't always be like this. Right? That would be foolishness. Rather, maybe you're like me and you had a week like this week. You know, it starts while I'm in the office getting the updates from the hospital. My grandmother... Her, her body is failing. Death is imminent. And, and then, then you, you take your wife to the hospital, to the ER, and find out her foot's broken. And then, on the way to the funeral, after my grandmother passed on Wednesday, we went to the funeral yesterday, and we're driving up Route 9, and Silas, in the back of the van, says, Hey, Daddy, look, our tire. That's, that's when we implore this word hope, right? Really, this week cannot be any worse than last week, right? I mean, take hope. <laughs> but the same is true here. The only way we're fully going to understand the reality of the hope that we have in Christ is to understand the situation of our despair. It's the only way it makes sense. And that's what I want to talk about briefly this morning, is the reality of that promised hope, the setting and the context it came out of. And what does that mean today? Very basic. But I want you to turn to Micah chapter 5. It's in the Minor Prophets in the Old Testament. It's after Jonah, before Nahum. Okay? If you can't find it, or don't have your Bible, it should be up on the screen, so you'll be okay. You don't have to flip through your Bible. But listen to these words, uh, beginning in verse 2, and then verse 4 in the first uh, sentence of verse 5. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. In verse 4, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. 
in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. This was the first passage that the narrator read this morning during the cantata. And we sang about this hope. But if all we do is talk about the hope without the context of despair, we reduce the splendor of God to this dim flashlight shining against the midday sun. And God's truth is so much more beautiful, so much more glorious than that. And so even here, in this small picture, I want you to understand the context of this promise. Because you read it and you're like, okay, yay, hope, Bethlehem, baby Jesus. And then we go on. But there's more, so much more. Micah was a prophet to the nation of Israel, particularly the southern part, about 750 years before Jesus was ever born. Before the manger, 750 years He had two main points to his message as God raised him up to be a prophet. One was judgment. The other was forgiveness. The judgment, because the people were not following God. They decided to make these nice little carved images and worship that, rather than the God who created them, the God who uh, brought them out of slavery in Egypt, led them to the promised land, sustained them, provided for them. Rather than worship that God, they decided to make little images and worship that. And there was judgment that was coming. But he also said that there was forgiveness because of the steadfast love of the Lord. And there was despair with this judgment. Just quickly, there was a despair of their sin. Listen to, in chapter 1, the prophet Micah says this. He says, All this for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. For all her carved images shall be beaten to pieces, and all her wages shall be burned with fire, and I'll lay waste to all their idols. And the prophet says, For this I I lament and I wail. I I go stripped and naked. I I will make lamentation like the jackals, and mourning like the ostriches. And and, and listen to this part. In verse 9, he says, For her wound is incurable, and it's come to Judah. It has reached the gate of my people to Jerusalem. This incurable disease of sin is here and the judgment of God is coming. This is the darkness of night. Before there can be hope, there was this reality of despair. This is where they were. This was the judgment they were under. But what about the leaders? Was there anybody? Was there a father in the home teaching the children? Was there a pastor preaching to the people to follow God? Was there anyone to show them the way? And Micah says, no. He says, hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. You detest justice. You make crooked paths that that are straight. You, You build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. It's heads of the government. You give judgments for a bribe. And the priest, well, you'll teach anything for a price. And it says, and yet they lean on the Lord. And they say, it's not the Lord in our midst. Isn't God with us? Or aren't we a, a Christian nation? Nothing bad will happen, right? So they were going their own way and yet leaning on God. And they were under judgment. There was a despair that there was no one to lead them, no one to shepherd them, no one to show them the way. 
And it led deeper and deeper into the night of darkness. But, but what will be the outcome? I mean, God's loving, right? Won't he just forgive them? Won't he just say, oh, it's okay. It says no. There was a despair of this imminent destruction. Because it says, therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed as a field. And Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the house, a wooded height. There was this weight of darkness. This is more than a bad week. This is the end of life. The home. Everything. Is under judgment. This is, is the weight of the reality that chapter 5 of that hope was promised in. Now see if this makes any more sense and, and listen to what it says. So in the midst of this darkness it says, But you, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you were too little to be named among the clans of Judah, which were listed. In Joshua 15 and Nehemiah 11, where all the towns in Judah and Bethlehem didn't even make the cut. Wasn't even on the list. They were so small. And God says, yeah, out of, you think the darkness is bad. Out of this no-name place that you don't even have listed, I'm going to raise up a Savior. And He's going to come out of here. And there were, there were prophecy after prophecy giving hope. That out of this darkness, out of this desperation of the incurable disease of sin, God would raise up a Savior. That was the hope. But who will lead us? How will we know? And it says, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. Remember, there was no one to lead. There was the despair. But it even went on to say, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Do, do you see the contrast? There was no one to lead them. They were under judgment. But God, out of that, was going to raise up Christ. Born, it started in the manger with the first cry. But it was more than that. He would shepherd. He would lead. He would stand. And he would point to the majesty and the glory of God. And he would call them to follow him. But what about this imminent destruction? What about the despair? What about the war? What will we always be under the reality and weight of that? And he says, no, and they shall dwell secure. For now he will be great to the ends of the earth and rather than war, and he shall be their peace. Do you see the hope? It makes a lot more sense in, in the context. But that's how hope works. Hope can only be applied to our despair. We can't just jump to hope and go along thinking everything's going to be great. And that's where it comes to in our own life. We can't just say, yes, you know, take hope. This week will be better than last week. If that's all our hope is, it's worthless. If it's circumstantial, who cares about a, a broken foot and a tire that rolls off? Because there's a deeper reality that we're in. That's been so evident to me that this week, as our family has grieved the loss of my grandmother, that the Bible says we're in a similar, the same situation as Israel was in. It says, oh, oh yeah, we're like sheep. Each one, we've kind of gone off to our own way. 
because, oh, that looks like fun. And before you know it, you've made straight paths crooked. We've all sinned against a holy God. And we stand in judgment. It says, for the wages, the price of our sin is death. We may lean on God, right? Say, oh, but I believe in God. I mean, he's a good guy. He's forgiving. But I'm not as bad as my neighbor, right? I'm good. It's okay. We'll be okay. Disaster won't come to us. But the reality is, our despair is incurable. We have that same incurable disease of sin. And it's in this that our hope is born. That if the wages of sin are death, there's a a physical death where our, our soul is separated from our body. But then there's also this spiritual death where our soul is separated from God. I sat on my grandmother's bed on the Friday before she passed and I, I held her hand and I looked in her eyes and my daughter was there with me and, and prayed with her. But what do you pray at a moment like that when the doctors give hours, not weeks or months, and the body's failing? What words do you say in that prayer are directly related to where that person has placed their faith. And that's my challenge for you this morning. That the strongest reality is not hope for a good week or just a good holiday season, but where do you stand with God? Do you just lean on Him and celebrate Christmas and ignore Him in all other ways of life? If so, then you stand in the despair of judgment. And I implore you to to, to trust in Christ. Like, this is where our hope is. If you're a believer, then you say, this is where my hope is I'm, as I'm going to chase the tire down the road. My hope is in Christ. Because I was on my way to a funeral. What a stark reality to kick a stupid tire or, or the reality of the grave. There was something much bigger, something much more important. Where, where do you place your hope? That it's not just to to say, yes, I I believe that Jesus was born as a baby and we celebrate at Christmas. But it's to say, no, I trust on him. And yes, this is where I stand. This is my hope. That another prophet, at the same time as Micah, said these words in Isaiah 53. Listen to these words, speaking not of his birth, but prophesying of his death. He says, but he was wounded. Why? Why would this innocent baby that we've been singing about be wounded? Well, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed. Why would they crush him? He was perfect. Don't they know his miracles? Don't they know what he did? Why would they crush him? For our iniquities, for our sin. And upon him was the the chastisement, was the punishment. The judgment that we deserved was placed on Jesus. And listen to these words. And that brought us peace. Do you see the correlation then even with with Micah? who said, and he shall be our peace. That is how we have peace with God. By hope, by, by, by faith, by placing our trust on Jesus. 
Trust on Him. Believe in Him. This holiday season, this is what we celebrate. This is why the promised hope is so beautiful, so brilliant, so glorious. It's in light of our despair. In light of that despair. So where do you stand? You have two choices. And this morning, I challenge you to trust on Christ. Or if you are a believer, to celebrate that, to rejoice. I mean, I like those songs that had a groove to them. I can't dance, but I try, you know? They were great. We celebrate that hope. And so as we sing this last song, this is what I want to challenge you. If you haven't trusted on Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to come forward as an individual, but to stand with the congregation. Because that's the reality of the gospel. You're not standing by yourself, but you're standing in community. So as you stand with the community to sing our praises to God, acknowledge that, yes, I am a sinner. Just like all of us here. That's nothing new. Believe that, yes, Jesus came in a manger. Yes, he died on a cross. And yes, he rose from the dead and place your trust and hope here. So let's sing together. I don't know who's leading, but it's not me. of putting Christmas in its context, right? How important that is. Well, the song we want to conclude with and then we'll conclude with prayer is our little chorus that we've been singing this month that the choir has taught you. It's Sovereign Lord. Notice that there will be a line in there that says he's our creator and he's our redeemer. He's the one that Stephen's talking about that gave us hope, buying us off that slave block of sin and setting us free. That's the context of Christmas, isn't it? The Lord bless you. I hope that your heart has been lifted. I hope that uh, putting Christmas in its context, understanding why the baby came in a manger, has been most meaningful this morning. Will you stand with me and let's conclude our service this morning singing our little worship chorus, Sovereign Lord. with a wonderful week. 
try to keep Christmas in its context. It has very little to do with most of the things that stress us out in a week like this. Let's be true worshipers of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords who came in a manger so many years ago for us. Stephen, thank you for that good reminder. And uh, would you just take the microphone right behind you now and you give us a closing word of prayer. And may the Lord bless you with a wonderful morning. There are Sunday school classes as regularly scheduled. And then you can come back if you want to hear it again. (laughs) Let's bow in prayer and be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the promised hope that we have in you. I thank you that you did not just leave us in our own sin, in the darkness, blinded by our own ways, Lord, but that that you sought us out, that you were um, the bright morning star, that you were the, the light that shines out of that darkness, giving us the hope in you. I thank you that you were, you took on human flesh and, and you lived among us and lived that life that we all failed. And Lord, I thank you that you died for my sins, for my own stupidity. Lord, and, and for all of us, I, I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would move on us this morning and during this holiday season to place our hope and trust on you. Lord, break through whatever barriers there may be that would hinder people from placing their trust on you. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us and remind us through this season of, of the glorious splendor in your hope. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.